Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the epistles of John. We're in 1 John chapter 3, and we're hovering around verse uh, 14 or so. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you, verse 13. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. The truth of Psalm 133.1 is what should be practiced in each of our lives. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And so we know that we're not children of the devil, but children of Christ, because we walk in the light as he is in the light. We know that God's love is needed greatly among all believers. There is hardly a church in any community that is not hindered in some great way by some hatred that is in the hearts of some of the members. Oftentimes there's some clique or faction that oppose whatever seems worthwhile, and there are those that put fences around them, and they hide behind those fences. They allow only those that are their friends and agree with them 100%, Uh, within the fences. And we wonder why God's not at work in these churches. And so if you raise animals and you put them behind fences, then that's where they stay. If you have hatred and you put yourself behind fences, that's where you stay. One of the pressing needs in most churches is an outpouring of God's Spirit so that Christians can be lifted above their um, fences or their walls and can then be a part of the entire congregation. And we need to understand that as Christians, we need the love of God. So when we read this portion of scripture that we've been centering in, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Now, there's no continuity from one of those verses to the other. Don't be surprised if the world hates you, that's one statement. And know that everyone knows that we are Christians by our love. 
And so that's something for us to take to heart. In Romans 12, 10, we're told to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. So then, as followers of Christ, we have no choice. We're to manifest love. We should show love. We should love one another. Uh, that's as important obedience as it is to the commandment of thou shalt not steal, or thou shalt not commit adultery, or thou shalt not commit murder. We need to consider in our daily lives that we not transgress this commandment of love. Examine your own heart. Do you love your neighbor as you should? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. That was Christ speaking in John thirteen thirty-five. Why is it so important that Christians show love? Well, it's important because it is through love that the lost are drawn to Christ. It's not logic. It's not arguments. It's not mental compassion, but it is love. And could it be that your church, that your congregation, that you yourself are not winning souls because of a lack of love? Could it be that there's not enough love in your congregation, not enough love in your life? When love is real and real enough, when it's strong enough, it's concerned enough to reach the lives of the lost for Christ, unbelief is destroyed. The Apostle John relates, as he tells why Cain killed Abel in this passage, And we're not to be as Cain. We are not to have evil works and then try to call them righteous. Cain was of that wicked one, of the devil. He was influenced by the pernicious one, the one who attempts to drag others down to the same destruction awaiting him. And so, we need to forsake the way of Satan. And we need to show love. And that is very important. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Most of us would thank God for the grace we've received, but we wouldn't thank God for the grace that someone else receives. The Apostle Paul loved Christians. And so he was there in that passage of Scripture relating the fact that we too should love Christians and thank God for the grace that's been given to others. John warns us, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. The unsaved, those who've not experienced the love that was from the beginning, uh, that's the world, and they hate Christians. 
They observe the blessing of the Lord in believers' lives. They become jealous. They express their hatred in various ways. And so we, as the Lord's own, should expect not to escape that hatred. But we cannot control the way the unsaved treat us, but we must be responsible for the way that we treat them. We have to be extremely careful. Matthew 5, 11 and 12 says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So regardless of what the lost folks do to us, we must show them love. We know that even though a father may forget to show love to his children, that our Heavenly Father has never failed to show love to anyone who has been willing to receive it. Romans 5.8 reminds us, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So then I've got a question for you. Is God's love recognizable in your life? We are appointed by God as ambassadors of his love. And so the question is, do people see the love of Christ in us? It is important that... All Christians show love to other Christians. Uh, if there's any trace of hatred, if there's any trace of malice uh, toward other Christians, then we will see no result uh, from our attempts to show love. Verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and where hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. That's reading down through verse 24 of 1 John chapter 3, from verse 16. We know that John was considered the apostle of love. 
And we know that this son of thunder, John, became the apostle of love because of the work that Christ did in his heart. And so then John is going about teaching others to love. Considering Christ's sacrificial love, we notice an analogy. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The example of our selfless Lord is presented in contrast to the example of selfish Cain. Thinking only of himself, prompted by his jealous heart, Cain slew his brother Abel. Prompted by his great love, with no regard for himself, our gracious Lord gave himself to die on the cross for sinful humanity. All who have trusted in Christ for salvation should exemplify this same spirit of selfless sacrifice in their attitude toward others. The measurement of Christ's love for us was seen in the price he paid to deliver us from our sins. The measurement of our love for him will be shown in the sacrifices that we make to help fellow believers. Only as we claim Christ's victory over the evil of self-life can we ever hope to be useful for God. There's never been a selfish believer who has at the same time been a fruitful believer. To be used by the Lord, one must have a sincere heart love for people. Paul portrayed it in 1 Corinthians 13, saying that it seeketh not her own. The love is always reaching out to help others and giving little thought to selfish whims. Very few believers unfortunately, have come to this place of victory with Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to overcome the tendency to interpret everything in the light of our own interests. John says we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. It's a moral obligation. It cannot be overlooked. It's our responsibility as followers of Christ to sacrifice for those whom Christ himself loves. And what does he go on and say? Whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? In other words, if a believer who is having his needs met by God's gracious provision, those of a Christian brother who's lacking in the essentials of life and needs help, he's obligated before God to offer help, even if it is sacrificial. If the believer does not offer to provide help, he's shutting up the bowels of compassion from him. This means he's shutting the door of his heart to any feelings that he might have toward helping the needy. It's obvious that such a person has never received new life in Christ, for newness in Christ results in selflessness, and that tends to lead to sacrifice. It's expressed clearly by Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.15, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Becoming a Christian is more than just saying, I believe. It involves the commitment of one's entire life to Jesus as Lord. And when this is done, self-will will be defeated, and sacrifice will be the result. I, 
my and mine will be forgotten and the will of God will be given priority. That's not to say the tempter will no longer appear and entice us through the old nature. But Paul made it clear, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. 1 Corinthians 9.27 He also said he buffeted his body and brings it into bondage. And so there's no question that the Apostle Paul taught that we should not follow the whims of our flesh, but should follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he laid down his life for us, that is, Christ died for us, we have a responsibility to lay down our lives for the brothers and for the sisters. And it's essential that every believer become involved. We can do that only as we depend upon Christ to live through us. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Well, that's Christianity in action. Not Christianity in talk, but it's Christianity in action. John's not saying that there should never be a use of words, of course. Words for encouragement are important. Words of instruction are important. But words, regardless of how comforting and helpful, should never be considered enough when a brother or sister is in need. There's usually some practical act of kindness that should be done. James, in James 1.22, encouraged us and instructed us to be doers of the word. Of course, that's for all believers. In Romans 12.15, all believers have a definite responsibility to weep with them that weep. Our teaching and preaching will have little effect if we do not get under the load of care and burdens of others. Galatians 6.2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's the law of love that Jesus established for his people, the kind of love that results in action. God honors his faithful ones in whatever they're doing for him, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me, Matthew twenty-five, forty. So we get marvelous confidence when we care for the needs of others. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And that's to experience the peace that results from obedience. There's satisfaction and blessing unknown to the person that is selfish. For one to live his or her own interests while ignoring the burdens of others is to experience the restlessness which results from rebellion. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. When a person is selfish, his heart condemns him continually. He's devoid of inner peace. Though his conscience keeps prodding him to do what he should do, he refuses to heed the message and chooses what he wants to do. Then there's a guilt feeling that plagues him. It's a tormenting sense of failure before God, and he cannot escape it. This is one reason why some believers never seem to find joy that others talk about. They're always striving, but never willing to meet the conditions. And the conditions are here. We should help those in need. And whatsoever we ask, 
We have confidence in God. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Beloved, if your heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And it's important for us to understand as we read the last two verses of John, 1 John 3, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in the him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumble, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.